In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You're advised that any views expressed by the hosts or their guests are not necessarily the views of Tuggy Entertainment or its partners. It's time to get happy. Harvesting happiness with Lisa Cypress Kamen. A fresh talk radio approach promoting happiness because happiness is a choice. And happiness can be cultivated and harvested. Hence the name of the show, Harvesting Happiness. Lisa's going to shine a light on the well-being and global human flourishing by presenting a diverse and proactive collection of the greatest thinkers and doers who have devoted their lives to creating a better world in which to live. And as a filmmaker, psychologist, author, professor, and motivational speaker specializing in the field of happiness, Lisa Cypress-Kamen is widely recognized as an expert in the field. In the show, she'll also focus on military families, service personnel returning with PTSD, traumatic brain injury, and civilian life reintegration issues. So let's get to it. Harvesting Happiness on Togginet.com. And now, here's your host, Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. I'm here to speak with you today as I do each and every week about happiness, well-being, and human flourishing. Authentic happiness is not selfish, egotistical, or narcissistic. The achievement of a happy life is not only good for us, but for those around us. Sustainable happiness is important because it not only elevates our own well-being locally, but also contributes to the collective flourishing of humanity on a global level. In short, happiness matters. Happiness comes from the heart, and this show is all about the heart. Today I'm here with a very interesting guest. Her name is Dr. O. Ray Adkins. Ray is a school principal turned business and nonprofit executive. She is an expert on caring for children facing loss and poverty, as well as the author of the book, Letters to My Father, The Gifts, which is dedicated to her dad who died four months before she was born. Through letters to her father, Ray began her journey from pain and grief to miraculous gifts and blessings. Dr. Dr. O. Ray Adkins' mission is to help children in need grow from a little, that grew from, sorry, that grew from a little girl's grief for her dad that she never knew into a true mission and a purpose. Good morning, Ray. Good morning. Good morning, Lisa. Thank you so much for being here. And I am delighted to share with you this morning. Oh, well, we are just we're delighted that you're here as well. Tell us a little bit about the Port Chicago disaster and how it inspired you to write your new book, Letters to My Father, The Gifts. Well, Port Chicago is a little-known uh, but essential piece of our American history, our great American history. Uh, it occurred in 1944, and uh, it took the lives of 323 men with... Um, 75% of those men being African-Americans. Um, and it happened 
right outside of Oakland, California. Most people may not know, may think Port Chicago is in Chicago, but it's not. It's in the California Bay Area. And the men were loading ammunition, and, and, the, and the site is still a live ammunition site, by the way. They were loading ammunition for the war, doing a very uh, honorable thing and very needed. But they were doing so without any training, without any equipment, without any kind of support, and under uh, really Jim Crow kind of uh, situations as we did have back then. And so uh, the inevitable happened. An explosion occurred. It was about the size of a small atom bomb, uh, leveled the base, the city around it, which, is called, which was called Port Chicago, and was felt all the way to Oakland, California. Uh, because of the circumstances of my father's death, there were no, there was no body, there was no um, memorial, there were no after effects. Um, it was a very difficult death for me to understand, and I'm sure that it was extremely difficult for my mother because she simply got the word that my father no longer was alive. And so I grew up, came into the world understanding that my father had gone to heaven and um, understood it on one level and didn't understand it on the other because I felt like God had promised everybody two parents and I had only one and had always had only one. And so that was a great impact on my life. And I was actually named for my father, and I realize now that I'm very much like my father in habits and mannerisms and even in looks, but at the time didn't know it because, you know, back then they didn't take a lot of pictures, there was not a lot of communication, uh, there were just a lot of things that we have today that we did not have back then. But uh, I have to say that Port Chicago now is a national park site because we've come to realize um, how important it is in the history of, um, in our own personal history. Because Port Chicago laid the way for the Navy to become integrated. Another small fact unknown is that the Navy immediately after, uh, when they rebuilt the site, they rebuilt it as an integrated basis. And I believe the other um, bases were integrated by Truman in 1948 in Port Chicago. Uh, the Navy began its integration process after the Port Chicago uh, incident, and that was back in 1946. So you see Port Chicago is just a, it's a, it's, it's a magnet in our history, but in terms of it being well-known, it, it's very minuscule. And so um, that's where I picked up <laughs> with the death of my father after Port Chicago. That is an incredible story. It's uh, incredible in that you you came into the world having never known your father, but yet his death was marked by something that was quite historical. And for your mom, as you mentioned, the difficulty of your dad being here one day and then in a sense, these men that were killed, their existence was obliterated. There was nothing to celebrate or bury or have as part of the mourning process. And I would imagine that that is part of what your your story is about, your journey. Absolutely, absolutely. <clears throat> and, you know, uh, we know better now, but it was a feeling back then, well, she didn't know him, and so uh, she should not be that greatly affected by his death. And so there was not a lot of talk about my father because they felt like this would just be too painful for me. So things that I really wanted to know as a child, you know, folks just were hesitant to talk about it because 
because of their own personal pain and, uh, and of course, the feeling that that pain would be transferred to me. But it actually has really uh, shaped my life, uh, my destination, my, and uh, I believe my future in, in a magnanimous way that probably would not have occurred had this tragic event not been part of my life. Indeed, in in your book, the the letters that you that you wrote to your father were they explorations? Tell us a little bit about the 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 format of the book and and the explorations of what went on as you um, cultivated a relationship with your father who had died before you were born. That's what I glean from what you're sharing. Yes, I I absolutely did. Um, as a child, you know, you can not talk to children. They develop their own little world about whatever it is they wanted to know. And so I had uh, four dreams, really, that I had for my father. And one was to, um, one thing that I wanted so badly, I just kept praying that and wishing that he had just given me one something. You know, this is for my new baby that's coming, or sent that one something that I would have that had touched his hand. And, uh, and of course, uh, I dreamed, I believed that that was um, um, impossible because he was gone and, and that would never happen. And the story of Port Chicago was really buried for about 50 years. And then uh, with the Open Records Act, uh, the story was revealed, and uh, I picked it up in a newspaper, and then I started picking up books on Port Chicago because I really wanted to get a feel for where my daddy was and, and who he was as it related to the Navy. And so um, after I received some information in the newspaper, I proceeded to go to California and actually, before I even went to California, I started going to libraries throughout the, um, throughout the United States. I was a traveling as a consultant, and I would simply go in a day ahead of time and go to their library and look to see what the newspapers said about Port Chicago. So I had a collection of newspapers, articles from uh, actually from Chicago to California about the incident of Port Chicago, and so that helped me to glean info. Um, uh, a little bit of the history regarding around Port Chicago and the perception around it. And, of course, one perception was is that it gave the Navy a very black eye because the number of men killed in the Port Chicago explosion really represented about 10% of all men killed in World War II, all African-Americans killed in World War II. And so the NAACP was up in arms, and there were a lot of people very disturbed about uh, the incident that occurred in Port Chicago. Well, the most... Uh, for a profound set of information I found by going and uh, finding records at the um, uh, a Naval Institute. And um, I pulled every record that I could find, the Navy records, and then just pieced together uh, what happened the day of Port Chicago, how it was perceived by the Navy, uh, what happened prior to the Navy. I requested my father's records, my father's naval records, because I wanted to know how much he weighed and when it was his last uh, leave. And just everything I could find out, I wanted to know about my father. And so that's what I did. And after I finished gathering that information, of course, people who knew that I had been on this frantic uh, uh, look and seek uh, journey for a while 
uh, wanted to know what was I going to do with it. And it was just much information about my own life and my father's life and what I had found through naval records and, and talking to people. Um, I just could not conceive of how I could put that into a book. And we are, um, Ray, I'm sorry to interrupt you. We are going to yeah. need to go to a break. And when we okay. come back, we are going to carry on our discussion about your book, Letters to My Father, The Gifts. But I wanted to give our listeners some information of how they can reach you, yes. connect with you, buy the book, and get involved with what you're up to. And we'll get into those initiatives a little bit later. But Dr. Ray Adkins' website is www.oramite.com. Again, Aura, O-R-A. M-I-T-E dot com. Twitter is at Ray, R-A-Y, Adkins, A-D-K-I-N-S, as well as Facebook. Here come the tunes. We'll be right back. You're listening to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. know that life is tough and that happiness can and does live along with adversity we'll be right back to explain how on harvesting happiness with lisa cypress cayman on toginet.com nothing gives happiness like a free gift lisa cypress cayman has made her first ebook got happiness now eight keys to unlocking a joyful life available at no cost to everyone Unwrap your complimentary copy now by visiting www.harvestinghappinesstalkradio.com. Are you or do you know a returning U.S. military man or woman in need of restoring joy in their lives? Did you know that our nonprofit, Harvesting Happiness for Heroes, offers stigma-free combat trauma and post-deployment reintegration programming? Check us out at www.hh4heroes.org. That's HH, the number four, and heroes.org. Happiness is an inside job. Wear the message on T-shirts, baseball caps, sterling silver designer jewelry, and more. Please visit our online boutique at www.harvestinghappiness.com. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress Cayman on Toginet. The show dedicated to promoting happiness because happiness is a choice and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. Hence the name of the show. So let's get back to it. It's Harvesting Happiness on Toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lisa Cypress Cayman. Welcome back, everyone. Today, we are speaking with Dr. Ray Adkins, who is a school principal turned business and nonprofit executive. She has written a book called Letters to My Father, The Gifts, where she explores a relationship that she has cultivated with a father that she never actually knew. Her dad died uh, four months before she was born um, through circumstances that were tragic, but at the same time, very interesting. And this was uh, known as the Port 
Chicago disaster. And prior to the break, we were talking about the Port Chicago disaster, which actually occurred in the Bay Area in the 40s. And it was a military-related accident. This is where uh, armaments were stored. And the uh, how the Navy reacted after this tragedy and how all of this has played such a role in Ray's life and the service work that she does, which is so very much uh, her passion. So, Ray, let's just uh, recap a little bit um, about some of the the content of of the book and how you began to cultivate this relationship with your dad that was born out of your passion and hunger to learn more about him, his life, even how much he weighed, which is what you mentioned. Because I think that's very fascinating, to get to know him in this visceral way. Yes. Well, in my head, I'd always written letters to my father about things that I wanted to tell him about me. And so uh, one day it just dawned on me. I said, I will do a book of letters. And and it allowed me to really um, put in a lot of information at the same time without being too weighty. And I could do it by topic. And so that's when I decided I would just write letters to my father. And so there were four things that I really wanted as a child. And so by the time I was ready to write the letters, those things had occurred just through great blessings and miracles from God. Um, And so I just sat down and started writing letters. And not only was it um, helpful for me to put the pieces together, it was a way of just really purging myself of some grief that I had carried with me for about 54 years because I got to just empty my heart out to him. And, and, and as I say that, the letters are not heavy, but the letters are um, really what I would say if, if he walked into the room today and I needed to tell him some stuff. Mm. And so each letter... Is, is a direct letter to him. And then because I knew that as you're talking to people face-to-face and they have some history that your readers will not have, I developed a portion of each letter that's called the backstory. And everybody by now knows what a backstory means. It's those little facts that you need to know in order to put all the pieces together. And so there's a letter that's uh, directed to my father and in a very loving, uh, daughterly way, and then the backstory was written or designed for the readers so they would have all the pieces and understand the letter in, in more depth. And so that's, that's how the letter, that's how the book is, is, is developed. Um, one letter that, uh, the first letter in the book actually is called From Me to You, and I tell him how wonderful it feels to just to be able to call him Daddy. Uh, because those were words I had never used before. And so uh, I tell him uh, how much I missed him. And so I was writing the letters because I wanted him to know who I was and how much I loved him. And it's signed, Love Your Baby Girl. And Mm -hmm. so that was the first letter. And also um, in the book, on the... Left-hand side of the page, there's a photo or some depiction and also a quote. Um, And the quote for this letter from me to you is, How wonderful it is that nobody need wait a single moment before starting to improve the world, because I felt like the letters would certainly help others, and that was my goal in writing the book. Well, I think that you make an excellent point that there are many people um, in this world who grow up without 
one parent or in some cases both parents and um, the idea of having a mother and a father or two loving parents in the household is how we learn to be balanced men and women. You know, we, we learn certain aspects of, of ourselves and our development from our mothers. And, it, and when we are women, we certainly learn how to be womanly from the relationship with our fathers. And in many cases, the father is not in the home. And what I hear you so eloquently expressing is that you learn to cultivate part of these aspects of yourself through these communications, which in a sense gave you the opportunity to truly love yourself. Yes, yes. And and my goal even as a child, um, you know, in the absence of reality, children will create their own. And so my goal, even as a child, was to be the very best that I perceived my father wanted me to be. And so that really established a no-limit kind of uh, reach for me. And so in everything that I did, I'm, the question for me was, would my father be happy with this? Uh, even as I became an adult and I was working on, on my doctorate degree and, and as with everybody, I hit a snag and just deliberated about whether or not I wanted to give up on it. And my question to myself was, was, would my father be happy with this? Because he was an achiever. He was uh, quite bright, and um, people loved him, very personable. And so those were the goals that I wanted to reach that mimicked his life. And uh, they, were, they were achievable goals because I did get to a place where I thought, well, he would be happy with this. And so I felt like he would be happy with the book as well. And in, in your life, as you grew up and went on to uh, go to school and, and get your, your doctorate degree and become a school principal, it sounds to me like your, your drive was all about helping children, mentoring them um, to be the best that they could be, and in, in a sense to help parent them along the way. Um, and I can see very clearly how there is a, a connection from um, your father not being physically present in your life to that qu- that quest for excellence and and helping serve others through being there for them. And that's 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 absolutely true. Uh, I spent my entire career working with children uh, who primarily lived in poverty or low income housing. Many of them without both parents in the household. And uh, my ability to relate to them because I. They tell me, well, you know, my dad is not with me, and I said, you know what? I said I grew up with my without my father, and many of them lived with their grandparents. And I tell them, you know what? I grew up with my grandmother, and so we had it. And you know, they would look at you as children. Of course, I was at the elementary and middle school level, and they would look and say, "Oh my goodness, you did that!" And I said, "Yes," and I said, "And I loved it." And so uh, there was a real strong point of uh, relationship that I could develop with children just because of my background, and, and, I, and I used it. Uh, I embraced that because it is important for children to know that you understand some of what they're going through. Well, you know, you make a very interesting point, and I often speak of this with uh, friends and family about the nature of grandparents and the nature of family. When we were younger, my grandparents were a vital 
part of my life. I grew up in a single family. My, my, my parents divorced when I was very young. And my grandmother and grandfather on my mom's side were my rocks. You know, my mom was certainly present in my life and very much a part of my parenting, but it was augmented by these grandparents who had such a solid presence that is not always um, present today, you know, in contemporary times that uh, everybody lives very far apart. That's right. That's right. That's right. But I think a really sounding line for children, even in the absence of grandparents, is that there is someone to care for me and there is someone who cares about me. And so I always stress to, even to to those who are operating in a parental role, whether it be an aunt or a grandmother, is that the most important thing for children is consistency um, and someone to care for them and someone to care about them. And, you know, those two, those two things are different. And my, I was blessed in that I had a grandmother, who, an uncle actually as well, who just loved the ground that I walked on. And, and so they cared for me, took care of my body needs and uh, saw to it that I had the things that I needed. And they cared about everything that went on in my life. And so uh, we were, we, I, I, I was really, I grew up in a very strong household in spite of the fact that it was non-traditional. And I think that's the point. We're going to go to a break in a minute. And when we come back, I would love to continue the conversation about where this path has taken you, where the gifts of this book are now uh, being shared, and some campaigns and projects that you are working on to help other children um, go through their grief, you know, to really use this as uh, an example of how to process grief. Because sometimes we grieve in odd ways. It comes in in waves that are not necessarily um, in a time and space, you know, where where sometimes we can't grieve right after an event. You know, life must go on and the grief comes up years later, which is what I find so touching about the book and the project that you're involved with. And then I want to talk to you about how it related to you becoming a mom and your own parenting and mothering of your son. Um, so let's, uh, let's, let's give our listeners some information to find out more about Dr. Ray Atkins. You can find her at www.oramite.com. That's O-R-A-M-I-T-E.com. Again, O-R-A-M-I-T-E.com. Her Twitter handle is at Ray Atkins, R-A-Y-A-D-K-I-N-S. And on Facebook, she is Ray Atkins, R-A-Y-E. A-D-K-I-N-S. And Ray has graciously donated a copy of her book, Letters to My Father, The Gifts, for our giveaway this week. And you can find that on Facebook under Harvesting Happiness. Come on, like us there, connect with us there, talk to us there, and you too can be part of the contest and perhaps win this as a prize. To learn more about me and the work that I do, you can go to HarvestingHappiness.com. And for our nonprofit initiatives that work with returning military personnel and their loved ones challenged by combat trauma, you may visit HH, the number four, heroes, H-E-R-O-E-S dot org. Again, that's HH, the number four, heroes, H-E-R-O-E-S dot org. 
www.dr.ray.org. And I want to mention a fun fact about Dr. Ray Atkins. I am a, a blogger for Inspire Me Today, which is a very, very, very large blog community and inspirational community that was founded by Gail Lynn Goodwin. And, um, Dr. Atkins is a fellow contributor, and I think that is how we connected and we found her way onto Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. Here come the tunes. We'll be right back. We know that life is tough and that happiness can and does live along with adversity. We'll be right back to explain how. On Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen on Toginet.com. Like what you hear on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio? Subscribe to us on iTunes and get your weekly dose of joy downloaded free and easily to your computer or portable device. That's Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio on iTunes. likes to win, enter our weekly contests at Harvesting Happiness on Facebook, where we give away our guests' books, music, film, and products each week. In addition, we also do great Harvesting Happiness giveaways, like free coaching sessions with Lisa Cypress-Kamen, Lisa's Books, Happiness First Aid Kits, H-Factor Where Is Your Heart documentary film, Happiness is an inside job products, including the Sterling Silver Infinity Bracelet that benefit Harvesting Happiness for Heroes, a nonprofit whose mission is to assist our returning military personnel and their loved ones challenged by combat trauma and other post-deployment reintegration issues. Join us at Harvesting Happiness on Facebook. Nothing gives happiness like a free gift. Lisa Cypress Kamen has made her first ebook, Got Happiness Now? Eight Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life, available at no cost to everyone. Unwrap your complimentary copy now by visiting www.harvestinghappinesstalkradio.com. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen on Toginet. The show dedicated to promoting happiness because happiness is a choice and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. Hence the name of the show. So let's get back to it. It's Harvesting Happiness on Toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Welcome back, everyone. If you're just joining us now, we are here today with Dr. O. Ray Adkins, who is a school principal turned business and nonprofit executive. She is an expert on caring for children facing loss and poverty, as well as the author of a book, Letters to My Father, The Gifts, which she has dedicated to her father, who died four months before she was born. And prior to the break, we were talking about um, how writing and specifically um, the grief process can can uh, 
writing can be so cathartic as part of the grief process. Oftentimes when trauma or tragedy occurs, uh, we cannot grieve in, in the immediate present because we have to go on with our lives. We have to care for children or parents or work or we are children ourselves and don't really understand what has happened. And in the case of Ray, she... Um, wanted to have a relationship with her father. She wanted to understand who he was as a person and how he died, which he died in some very uh, tragic and yet interesting circumstances in the Bay Area in the 40s related to the war effort. Um, So she crafted this book, which is so beautifully done, uh, called Letters to My Father, The Gifts. And Ray, prior to the break, we were talking about the catharsis that you experienced in writing these very simple letters um, about everyday experiences and milestones that occurred in your life. Tell us a little bit about the piece that you wrote entitled, Why I Wore My Yellow Dress and how it relates to your own son and mothering. Why I wore my yellow dress, um, it's not part of the book, but it is an available selection through um, inspiremetoday.com on their blog site. And my son passed away in September of 2011, the end of September of 2011. And he was a very courageous young man, uh, but he was a a type 1 diabetic. He was a double amputee and kidney transplant. And so uh, and he and I were very close. I uh, had always grown up uh, with a very close relationship, one that most people just really um, were a little bit envious of, but uh, we, had, uh, we, were, we were good buddies. And so John's loss uh, just seemed absolutely incredible, but I felt like I'd had such wonderful 46 years with him. I did quite well. You know, you hear people say, well, you have to go through all the holidays and... And so I had done that, the birthday and the Christmas and Thanksgiving and his wedding anniversary and and even his birthday. I had not factored in Mother's Day. I'm going to tell you the truth. And so uh, (laughs) I forgot about it. And uh, Mother's Day got ready to come around the corner, and I crashed in a way that I hadn't um, ever. I just crashed. And just did not envision how I was going to make it through the holiday and go to church on that Sunday and hear all the happy mother to, mother days and have the wishes for happy Mother's Day and and my friends I could tell them were very concerned about me and and I didn't realize um, the impact that it would have on me and so I really um, after about a week of crying and just really praying to God to help me through the time. Um, I was in my closet one day, and I'm almost telling the story, and I I have a yellow dress, a bright yellow dress. You know, you can't miss the yellow dress. It's the only one that's up there. And um, and it was just saying, it was just almost standing out from the rest of my clothing. And as I looked at that yellow dress, I remembered that the Mother's Day before, John had walked into church with yellow roses. And the reason that was so unique, because you just don't see, you see all kinds of, you see pink and you see red and you see white, but you don't really get the yellow roses. And so he gave me yellow roses for that last Mother's Day that we were together. So I decided at that moment uh, that I was going to wear yellow on Mother's Day to help me remember the warmth of his love on that Mother's Day. And um, 
and I would carry his memory with me forever and not grieve about the loss, but grieve about the, remember the 46 years that God had given us that were just gracious years together. And so I called a few other friends, and they said, well, I'm going to wear yellow. So there was a sea of us on Sunday in yellow on Sunday. And none of us, there were three of us who had lost sons. And none of us cried because we had our yellow story together. And so I ended up publishing that, putting that on the blog site for uh, InspireMeToday.com. And so um, that was another significant loss in my life, the loss of the two most important men in my life. And, of course, I have a wonderful husband, but those were my biological beginning and endings as I saw it. And so... um, both of those were difficult, but I have managed to write about them in different ways. And I also wrote uh, during John's passing lessons that I, I learned from my son because he had left so many things with me. And so it has been through writing and sharing with others that I have been able to walk through my grief. And I have found that uh, grief will come in and settle in. And once it settles too long, it becomes dangerous. And writing, for me, is a way of of moving it through the process. And so both of those things have just been really been um, treasures, letters to my father, and um, why I wore my yellow dress have been real treasures in my life. Whoa, that's an amazing story. That is, uh, and not certainly not the natural order of things. And as parents, it is... Um, it's our worst fear, you know, yeah. that, that our children will, that they will fall into harm's way and, and, and we will lose them. But what I find so fascinating about your story and inspiring is that the grief turned into a celebration, that it, a beautiful memorialization of the relationships with these two men that enabled you you to shine and to thrive, that out of that, that darkness and the hole that can really never be filled, you know, the void can't be filled because it's, it's a part that's gone or missing, but it's replaced with um, love and your commitment to serving these children who really do need, you know, uh, mentoring and care and guidance to help replace the voids in their lives. And that brings me to the next question, or not, or point is, you know, what you are doing with your service projects because they are they're wonderful. Well, I'm doing I'm doing a couple of things, and one is kind of taking a hiatus to. Um because, but one thing that I decided to do was to give uh, one story, one, one of the letters that I wrote to my father uh, that I mentioned in our earlier part of the interview is I wanted a gift from him. And so, um, of course, that was not possible, but I still, I always held on to that desire. And so one day as I, um, I, I did go in for some uh, coaching uh, of for coaching to get through the grieving process, that I went to a very deep place at one time, very uh, dangerous place in grief. And so I did go and seek some help, and that's one thing that I would encounter, would encourage people to do, not to be afraid to uh, talk and seek uh, professional help as I did. This lady was a coach, and without knowing that I had this secret dream, the first thing she told me is she said, you need to go buy a gift for yourself from your father. And I just thought, 
I'd never in my life thought about that. This is my time to get this gift that I wanted from him. And so I really went on an intensive search like a child uh, that had been given a million dollars and just could, sp- could only spend it in one place. And so I went through this intensive search and, and finally found one day, as I had really kind of put it on the back burner, this huge bear, called, and I na- purchased the bear and named him Collymore, which is my um, paternal uh, uh, grandmother's, it's a grandfather's. Uh, last name, Collymore, and so, um, and named him Collymore, and so I contacted the company that I purchased the bear from and asked them to allow me to private label the bear, and so I now have bears that are called Collymore, (laughs) and I gave Collymores, or I have been giving Collymores to uh, children who are going into foster care, because sometimes just having a little something special to hold on to is, is, is that little piece of care that I mentioned earlier in the show. You know, children will receive the clothing and the food and the toothbrush and the toothpaste and the socks and and sometimes the books. But um, that little extra bit of I care about you and I know that you're going through some things message can be given in various ways. And so I chose to give it to, chose to give Connie Morris to children uh, going into foster care. So we partnered with uh, um, a home here in San Antonio and uh, we go, we give them uh, the bears for children who are going into foster care. So we are going to be easing into a break shortly, and I wanted to give our listeners some information on how they could be part of the Collymore, <coughs> excuse me, Bear Project. It's called Help the Bear. That yes. is the. Yes. And how what would one find uh, Help the Bear through your website, or is there it's another the, website? No, that's, that's it's through my website as well, and they can simply email me uh, at oramite uh, dot info, I believe, that whatever that contact information is. And I will give them an ad- additional information on uh, make donations or purchasing Collymores or whatever it is they would like to, to do. But, and it, uh, is the, uh, is the Collymore Bear Project just in San Antonio, or are is, you sending bears nationwide to people who order them? Well, we, if they choose to order a bear, then we, we'll send it nationwide. But in terms of the donations to the Methodist Children's Center, that is just in San Antonio right now. And how many children does the Methodist Children's Center serve? Well, they serve about, they take, they take in approximately 28 children a year. Uh, and it depends on the space that they have available. And so um, there are a lot of factors, and so I, I, I use that number 28, 25 to 28, uh, very loosely. But that's how many bears we give each, about body chair to them. Well, we're going to go into a break, and when we come back, we are going to talk more about the Help the Bear Project, the Calling More Bears, and other work that you're doing to serve uh, children in the community that are going into foster's care, foster care, and the blessings of adversity and how it has shaped and changed your life and how it is an offering to others who may be going through something similarly. You're listening to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. We will be right back to learn more about Ray Adkins. You may visit www. Oramite.com, O-R-A-M-I-T-E dot com. Again, that's Oramite.com. Here come the music. We'll be right back. All right. Where is my heart? Where is my heart? 
We know that life is tough and that happiness can and does live along with adversity. We'll be right back to explain how on Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress Kamen on toginet.com. Do you like Lisa's take on happiness, well-being, and human flourishing? Join us this spring as Harvesting Happiness launches online classroom programming where Lisa Cypress Cayman will offer her workshop series across the globe and from the comfort of wherever you are. Visit HarvestingHappiness.com for more details. Be a part of the grateful good. Grateful Nation brings together patients, families, friends, and staff of Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center to support the quality care and groundbreaking research at the Medical Center. Through new and traditional media, members of Grateful Nation share experiences, thank our caregivers and researchers, participate in sweepstakes, and gather to sponsor and host events and much more. Being grateful inspires others to be grateful as well. Isn't it time we jumpstart some perpetual gratitude? Visit Grateful Nation online to find out more at www.gratefulnation.org. Have a grateful day. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress Cayman on Toginet. The show dedicated to promoting happiness because happiness is a choice and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. Hence the name of the show. So let's get back to it. It's Harvesting Happiness on Toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lisa Cypress Cayman. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. If you're just joining us now, I wanted to share a beautiful guest that we have today. Her name is Dr. Ray Adkins, who is a school principal turned business and nonprofit executive. But more importantly, she is a quiet hero amongst us through her book, Letters to My Father, The Gifts, and initiatives that she's working on, including Help the Bear, which is a project that gives teddy bears, Collymore bears, to children who are going through the foster care system. And I find that this work that you're doing, Ray, to be so inspiring because it is a direct um, uh, reflection of the values of our show about taking adversity, taking circumstances that are less than ideal and how they transform lives, you know, how you transformed your pain, your sorrow, and your losses of not just your father prior to you being born, but your son, whom you adored so greatly, um, into happiness, into joy that you can share with others. And I find that extremely inspiring, and thank you for the work that you do. Um, Let's talk a little bit about helping others to heal, about helping the children that you work with to heal from situations that include being removed from the family of origin home in some cases and placed into foster care. I mean, these are extremely painful um, circumstances in a child's life. They are. They, they really are. Um, I was 
um, fortunate in that I grew up with my, well, I, I, I didn't spend my entire life with my grandmother. I stayed with my grandmother those founding years, and so I stayed with my grandmother until I was 12 years old. But there were times that um, just because of travel, because we lived out in the country, just because of travel and other circumstances, I would spend a couple of weeks or in one instance, a whole semester with other relatives, and I can remember spending it with my aunt who lived in town in, um, in East Texas. And my concern always was that um, would they want me? And, and that's not a, uh, something that children voice, but that, that is a concern because you know you're out of pocket, so to speak. And so, uh, but I was, as I said, I was blessed with a wonderful family that I still give um, platitude to the day for the love that they showed me. And I can remember as, you know, sometimes they were talking, the adults were talking about, you know, how they were going to handle things and what needed to be done to, to make provisions for me. And I would just kind of quietly listen because I wanted to be sure that I was wanted. And uh, my family just poured out their love for me in, in every instance. And so I never received any negative um, vibes or any uh, instances where I was not loved, but children are placed in those environments where people have them and they don't want them, and and uh, and it's traumatic for a child. It, it it's something that they should that they that oftentimes they don't get over, and just as I still recall the love that I received, they recall the rejection, and so our uh, plan in giving. Giving Collymore to children going into foster care is to just to implant in their hearts that there are people that they don't even know because I never meet the children because of you know privacy laws and all kinds of things. But just to plant in their heart that there are people who understand and love you and care about what happens to you. And Collymore is this wonderful smiling bear, <laughs> and uh, and they. To my remarkable, uh, um, to my amazement, as I talked with their caretaker, the facility director, and she says they never changed their names, right? They continue to call them Connie Morris. Nobody's changed the bear's name. And so I believe that the children like that sense of care that Connie Morris has given to me. And so that's really what we try to do in terms of helping others. And Amazingly, until you said it, all of the work that I have done, uh, even in consulting, has been about children and children uh, with some lack as it applies to parents or even uh, physical needs sometimes. But um, it's about loss. It's always about loss and trying to get through uh, the loss of, of a loved one. And so I'm, I'm really happy and excited to be able to do, to do that work and to help in any way that I possibly can. Well, what I find fascinating about the subject of loss, and especially your work around the, the, the grieving and processing of the losses, is it's really, it's a good story. I mean, it's a happy story at the end of the day, born out of unhappy circumstances. Absolutely. They're really, you're teaching about thriving, you're teaching about resiliency, and the light of the human spirit to go on and thrive in spite of these stories and not be defined by them. Right. Absolutely. And, and one of the things that I have found, if we focus on the gifts rather than the loss, and, and people may think that that's easier thing to say and it's easier said than done, but you really have to work on what it is you choose to focus on. 
and I, I have worked on what I have chosen to look at. And um, the likelihood, I, I thought to myself in terms of my son, the likelihood of giving, receiving another 46 years of joy uh, is pretty remote because I don't really think, I, I mean, I could live that long, but I don't think I would. And so uh, why focus on missing the next 10 or 20 or 15 years when I can focus on the past 46 that I had him? And, uh, of course, we always want our loved ones with us, but nothing is promised and nothing is guaranteed. And so um, when we look to take the best from our lives, then the best for me was the 46 years that I had him, not the time that I lost him. Mm. And the relationship doesn't end. This is what I often coach people <coughs> excuse me, about who are going through grieving is that the relationship never ends. That never dies. Right. That's exactly right. Um, and, and, but you have, to focus on, you have to focus on that relationship. You can't focus on the loss because otherwise the relationship will end and the relationship will die if I stay in the loss category. And I can remember I was doing a little project at my church and we were doing a little angel tree and the idea was to, uh, to we, we needed some computers for the computer room, and the angels represented, they were being held until uh, they could be released through a computer donation. It was just a nice little way of getting donations and having a little fun. And so I could hear my son, as I talked to him about this angel tree donation, I could hear him saying, so, Mommy, you're going to hold angels, angels hostage? And so... <laughs> Because he had that kind of sense. I said, no. He said, if you won't let him go until they pay, that sounds like a hostage to me. (laughs) And so I had to go back and rethink that whole program because of that conversation with John. And so uh, I had many good times with him, and I still have good times in my head with him because um, he he was just a remarkable son. And so that's the part that I choose to remember. And I choose to remember all that for my father, going back to my father, all that he has given to me um, and wonderful memories and learning about Port Chicago and recognizing uh, this position in history. Now, uh, the history books may not recognize it, but I do. And for me, he died a hero, because, and I believe that he would have wanted that. Uh, there's one story in the book um, uh, I met a young man, and he was in the Navy, and uh, I told him about the story of Port Chicago, and I was still in that uh, semi-grieving mode, but I was getting through it. And so he said to me very candidly, he said, I know you missed your father uh, as a child. He said, but I'm going to tell you how what he has done for us. And so um, I said, uh, yes. He said, well... We read all the manuals uh, about the the the, um, uh, the explosion, and they've saved many lives. He said, "So that's what he's done for us," mm. and so that was huge for me. Oh, I would think so. You know, I think that uh, the goal that most of us want for ourselves and our loved ones is to somehow make our mark and when we are no longer here you know physically that there is something that marks our spot saying that a small corner of our world was left a better place because of us absolutely 
And uh, certainly the work that you're doing exemplifies all of this and gives an opportunity to children young and old to really uh, not push away those emotions, not push away the sadness. That doesn't mean you live in sadness. It means that you really process your emotions and go through the grief and allow it to be uh, the catalyst for change and for living a life that is filled with with purpose and and passion, which I always get into in the in the close of this show, which brings us to that place. It's just snuck up on us in yes, an instant. <laughs> yes, it did. Well, the the thing that I would like to say, the quote that I have uh, held on to uh, in the past years, is uh, that oftentimes, most of the time. Change does not occur outside of tragedy, significant change. And um, I look at what happened with Port Chicago, the integration of it. Um, I look at uh, just how perhaps the yellow dress and the sign of yellow will help the lives of others. Uh, We've had yellow as we return our men from uh, war situations, regardless of what it is. And so... um, Really, many things change as a result of tragedies. And so if I can be part of that, I'm grateful. And I'm grateful to you for being here with us today and sharing your story and your gifts. And here are a few thoughts before we part. Happiness is not a destination. It cannot be bought, sold, or traded. Happiness will never invite you to the party. Happiness simply comes down to a choice to show up each and every day in the world filled with passion, purpose, place, and meaning. Thanks for joining us on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. This is Lisa Cypress-Kamen and Dr. Ray Atkins wishing you kind thoughts, kinder words, and the kindest of actions. Until next time, remember, happiness is an inside job. Happiness is your inside job. Next week, we have on our show Debbie Gregory, CEO of MilitaryConnection.com, and Jerry Allen, the author of The Resilient Warrior and one of the co-founders of Operation Warrior Wellness that is part of the David Lynch Foundation. Obviously, it is a military-focused show, and we are very excited to have them on the show and share what's going on with benefits, what's going on in the world of um, warrior wellness, which Harvesting Happiness is a part of. So we look forward to that and wishing you all the biggest and brightest and best day. Thank you, Dr. Ray Adkins. And here is a big virtual hug from me to you. To learn more about what we do, again, go to HarvestingHappiness.com or HH4Heroes.org. Thank you for being a part of Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress Kamen. We'll do this again next Wednesday morning at 10, 11 Central here on Togenet. For more.